Hello, listeners. My name is Pietro, and welcome to another episode of the LSC Focal Point podcast. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Rob Watson. Rob is part of the executive team at Rolls-Royce as president of Rolls-Royce Electrical. He has previously held a number of different roles across the group, joining as a regional director before taking on a number of customer business and program management leadership roles. Immediately before taking on his current position, Rob was chief of staff to the group CEO. Prior to joining Rolls-Royce, he worked in the oil and gas industry, having started his career as a diplomat with the British Foreign Office after earning a Doctor of Philosophy in Foreign Policy from the University of Leeds. Rob, how are you doing today? Hi, Peter. I'm very, very well, thanks. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you to you for even joining us today and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into the questions. And I always start with this to pay more picture to the introduction that, always give, that we always give the listeners. And the question is, or what we're going to be asking you now is, could you tell us more about your career journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'm very happy to do that. Um, I would say um, it's been a, a, a journey of of two halves so far. My my career began um, in the public sector, working as a, a civil servant in government in in government policy, um, and I, I worked there for a little over a decade, having having spent a chunk of time as a postgrad because I was enjoying myself at university. Um, and then second half of my career, I decided to make a change, step out of the public sector and into the private sector to see what you know roles I could access and what I could achieve in a in a very different dynamic and organizational environment. So so my career has been all about taking opportunities to experience as many different things as possible while trying to build some coherent framework around it that allowed me to progress into more kind of demanding and stretching roles over time. I like how you split it into the two sort of halves of your career, right? Because your journey has had very unique transitions relative to other speakers that I've had. And uh, I want to ask off the back of that, how did you go about learning in such distinct fields you know how does a history undergrad become the president at Rolls-Royce? So, so a different way of looking at my career is that I don't have what I would call today I don't have functional depth right so I'm I'm not an engineer and I haven't spent 30 years in engineering roles I'm not a sales person and I haven't spent 30 years in sales um, I'm not a program manager who's got deep accreditation in, in complex program management I'm a I'm your definition of a generalist. And what that means is every time I take on a role, I have to work really hard to understand what makes the job I do a success and how I can best help the business that I join. And I think in a way I've been able to progress because what that also means is I don't bring preconceptions to any role. I don't do a job and then get promoted into the same job, but in a bigger role and then promoted into a bigger role again, where I'm, I'm bringing one set of learning. I'm bringing a lot of broad experience into an organization. And then I'm demonstrating, I guess, sort of IQ and EQ skills that allow me to run that organization, whether it's a team or a business. And because I don't have 
that functional depth when I'm competing for roles, I need to demonstrate that I can drive different performance in whatever I'm asked to do. And, and I'm able to unlock that performance because I don't have preconceptions, because I'm not saying, oh, this is a slightly bigger factory. I know how to run factories. I'm arriving for the first time and going, okay, wow, how do, how do I make this work? What, what levers can I pull? And what that also means is I'm, I'm always dependent on my teams. So I, I invest a lot of time and effort in the people that I work with because I need to trust their judgment and I need them to help me understand how I deliver my, my role. So, so I put a lot of emphasis on high-performing teams and I lo- put a lot of emphasis on the people that, that work with me because they're absolutely critical to getting anything done. And, and a final point, I don't want to sort of go on and on. Don't worry, we don't talk worry. about being a historian. It, it, it is, yeah. The historian is, is really interesting, right? Because um, I was talking to someone who'd hired someone with a musical degree who came to work in an engineering organisation. And at first pass you go, whoa, you know, what, why would you hire someone with a degree in music? And the reason you hire someone with a degree in music is because I don't know if you have any, if you offer any music undergrad courses at LSE, right? But but what yeah. you um what you find is people who understand composition understand the complexity of organizing an orchestra and using it to produce a world-class or differentiated sound. It's a really unique skill to be able to manage all those inputs and orchestrate them and turn them into something beautiful. Why would you not want that skill in your team, right? Now, it, it, as a historian, it's not as exciting as that. But 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 certainly in engineering organisations, what I find is, you know, engineers, by definition, are trying to remove ambiguity they're trying to guarantee a, they're trying to solve a problem and in solving it, they want to guarantee a stable and reliable output at the end. So, so ambiguity is their enemy and they need to drive it out. I, as a historian, I'm fascinated by context and context is all about interpretation and ambiguity. And so as I help run an organization I'm responsible for managing our way through the ambiguity and the engineering teams are responsible for removing it. So I work really well with them because we have different but complementary skills. And so I don't get distracted by what degrees people have. I definitely need a lot of engineers working in Rolls-Royce Electrical, but I need more than just engineers to be successful. So, so there's room for everyone. I mean, it depends on different perspectives. I mean, I hear different perspectives because, uh, I mean, I'm of a school of thought that your degree doesn't matter either, right? However, there's still people out there that think, oh, your degree matters a bunch. I mean, there's different factors, but I'm of the party that, you know, your degree doesn't matter. Who are you, right? What do you bring? And I completely agree with you there. And I liked how you touched upon uh, generalists and so on, because my next two questions are going to be about, they're going to be at a sort of functional depth also at the generalist level so these two questions right one for the generalists like myself and another for the people more into engineering maybe imperial college london students that are listening right so first of all starting with the more generalist question right what does your what does your part of rolls royce do relative to the other parts and what does your role involve on a day-to-day basis okay so 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 organizationally what 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 happens in rolls royce electrical is that we're responsible for building 
the electrical engineering capability for the group. So um, a number of different businesses providing different products into different markets, all of which are increasingly focused on electrification. So one of the tasks of, of Rolls-Royce Electrical is to build up the electrical engineering capability to support those businesses. What we also need to do is drive new technology and turn it into revenue and profit. So what we're looking to do is bring differentiated electrical machines and systems to market to drive value for the group. And we drive value for the group by being able to play in this kind of emerging space around sustainability and the decarbonisation, particularly of aerospace, where there's huge demand for alternative solutions um, for, for power and propulsion. So, so we basically, we design uh, electrical machines, we design power electronics, and we design energy sources like batteries and increasingly fuel cells. And we look at how you move those electrons around a platform and get them to do useful things. And in aerospace, we do that to a very, very exacting standard in terms of reliability and safety. And because aerospace is all about battling the laws of physics, we need whatever we design to be very power dense, the lightest possible weight and highly reliable. So we have a lot of challenges there. And from an engineering perspective, that means we need electrical engineers, but we also need mechanical, structural, thermal materials engineers who can help us pull all of that together. So it is a very, very intensive engineering activity. Um, my responsibility um, is to set the strategic direction for the business, um, make sure that everyone is aligned and organized to deliver that strategy and make sure that everybody has what they need to be successful in their role. So, so that, that's broadly what I do day to day is, is, is act as an enabler to let our, our brilliant engineers solve the problems that we set for them um, and try and keep as much rubbish out of their way so that they can focus on delivering that. And of course, what we're trying to do is to build a business, a new business for Rolls-Royce. So I spend a lot of time looking at markets, talking to customers about how we make sure we've got the right product with the right differentiation and the right margin so that we can deliver, uh, we can help support the decarbonization of aerospace, but we can deliver it sustainably, by which I mean, you know, we're able to get a return on the investment, which means we can, we can invest in the opportunity build scale and do this at an industrial level and not just in terms of technology. And now for the people more into engineering, what is the most important technology or technologies being developed by Rolls-Royce Electrical and what are the main technical barriers that are still to be overcome to achieve your goals? So, so generally speaking, what, what we're trying to do is, is get to a level of performance in our electrical machines that's not available in the world today because you could have an electric motor that that turns an axle and moves some wheels in a car it's pretty reliable it's pretty safe um, but in aerospace the regulators insist that the reliability of our motors are, are demonstrably reliable 10 to the minus nine so, so our motors have to work run and run and run without failing and they are you're adding weight to a platform when you design that motor. So that motor has to be 
as small, as lightweight, and therefore as power dense as possible. And as you do that, you create all kinds of challenges around how you safely manage the electricity and how you manage the heat that's produced by generating that electricity. So, so we focus a lot on differentiation in what it sounds very generic. We make electric motors, but actually what we produce is very, very differentiated. And then in batteries in particular, we do something similar where we're trying to get to a level of safety and reliability that, that is way beyond anything that you would find in a battery pack in a general application. Because again, the battery has to be as safe as possible and as reliable as possible. And we need to deliver it at a cost point that makes it economical and therefore something that can be widely adopted. So it's, it's pretty easy. We'll have it done in a couple of days. But um, easy, easy. That, that's, that's the challenge that, that, that the engineers in Rolls-Royce Electrical come to work to sort of take on every day. Hmm. And focusing more on you, what has been your biggest learning during your career? That's a that's a tough one. I think that my two biggest learnings, I, I learned to trust my judgment pretty early. And that has been really helpful. I know that might sound a bit counterintuitive, but I think a lot of time people are held back because they think, am I doing the right thing? Do I have all the data? You know, am I making the right decision? How do I do this? And inevitably, as you progress in a career, people increasingly look to you to make those decisions. And I found early on that, no, you know, you've got good judgment. You know what you're doing. Trust your instinct and, and this will work. And broadly speaking, it does. I'm not sure that's very insightful, but, but one would be trust your judgment. And I think the other thing that I learned which I think is definitely, I mean, very personal to an individual, but I, I learned not to not to get too stressed about my career and not to overthink how I wanted my career to progress. I, I learned what was important for me was to be in roles that I enjoyed and to give myself as much opportunity to experience as many different things in life as I could. And so, yeah, my, my kind of reflection and my advice to anyone will be, you know, trust your judgment. Um, and and also, you know, you you only get one go at this. So so make sure make sure you enjoy yourself. And to finish off, you mentioned advice there, right? But do you have any advice that you would give not to anyone, but the undergraduates of today who are either unsure of what they want to do in the future or are looking to break into your line of business? I know you earlier said, "Oh, I was busy having fun and whatnot." Right? Of course, have fun as an undergrad. Maybe reiterate on that. But what advice would you give to the undergrads of today? Oh, wow. Well, you know, um, what would I say? I, I tell you, when I, um, when we bring people onto our graduate scheme, our graduates are amazing. Um, and our interns are amazing. What I'm looking for is, is I, I guess I, I am looking for a really strong engineering background, right? So my advice to undergraduates is, you know, do your best to get a really good degree because it just, it just helps, mm. right? I'm always interested in differentiation. I try and work out when I read people's CVs, and I certainly want to get to it in interviews, right? How, how able are you to solve problems on your own? Because the quicker you can solve problems on your own, the quicker you can progress. And if you're good at problem solving, we've got more problems for you. So, so my advice to any undergrad is, is just make sure you, you're demonstrating more than getting a degree 
and and it doesn't have to be a conventional way of thinking around what talent looks like you know i'm i'm interested in a diversity of thought and i'm interested in problem solving so anyone who can present that in any way is of interest to me um and i think for engineers yeah i i think you know there, there are two ways you can take an engineering degree you can do deep specialization and just become a world-class engineer in a certain area or you can be we call you know the t-shaped engineer you have you have depth in one area and then you try and broaden and and i think broad engineers are brilliant because they make great business leaders because they're problem solvers uh, and, and they bring a depth which allows them to understand the business so yeah i would say don't overthink it too much but do make sure you're demonstrating you know as wide a range of capabilities you can and and don't assume don't assume employers just value a degree for the sake of a degree. They value people who bring something to the team. Um, and so that range is really important. Thank you for that. That really links back with what we discussed earlier of actually bringing something as opposed to only a degree, right? So be, be, some, be something, bring something, and you're good to go. So yeah, I recognize I might just be, I might just be, you know, it's not very helpful because it just echoes how I've behaved. Right. But, but you've invited me on the podcast. So I'll give you my view. <laughs> so, so, right. This is, that, this is how I would say, it. I may not be a typical employer, but I think I am. And, you know, I'll, I would really encourage people to particularly earlier in your career, roll the dice. Whenever oh. you get a chance, roll the dice because you've got time and, and, and learning as broadly as you can is always it's a great thing to do. That's a great way to finish off there. Thank you very much, Rob, for joining us. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in, this, in, in these sorts of episodes, we're trying to diversify now with different business leaders beyond. And thank you again, Rob, for, for joining us. Thanks, Pesha. Thanks very much.